members in Europe and Central yeah. Asia. Yeah, where was that? It was Istanbul. India, Istanbul. Istanbul. Fuck yeah. Shout the out. Moped Outlaw ethos is growing. The European Tour 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. We better learn some other languages. <laughs> yeah, it's good to see you, man. How are you? I'm good. I was griping with you right before Art flipped the live switch. I know. About, he, that was his way of quieting you down. Yeah. What a rough weekend, man. We lost an hour. I know. Fucking. Here's what. I don't understand. I don't. Did we vote and say, okay, we don't want this anymore? Yeah. In California, I think it was 70% of the people said, stop yeah. doing this. Yeah. And I was reading about this the other day. By the other day, I mean back when we set the clocks last fall. Um, <laughs> that apparently us voting isn't enough because to actually <laughs> permanently ban the change takes an uh, an act of the Commerce Department. No, no, the Transportation Department of the United States as a whole, because all the train schedules, they all have to be matched up and, you know, reconfigured. Um, in order to oh, make good. it all work together. And so in oh. order for it to take effect, it has to happen at the federal level. Aren't we having train crashes without, like, as it is? Can you imagine it being worse? No, I can't. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So there it is. There's the rub. Time is rub. not our friend. No, it isn't. Especially on this side of 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, it just um, reinforces that old ethos that we had as youngins of, you know, got to live while you can because it's important to make the most of, of your time. Right? Yeah. And back then we were kind of like, damaging our bodies and now we're like more into preserving them <laughs> well the damage lasts longer than it did in our youth <laughs> yeah it takes a while to recover for sure for yeah. sure yeah yeah um, and i had two rejections i didn't get that role that i had a call back on oh that's got brutal. a very nice email but yeah so and i was thinking this morning like rejection all right and then i matched up with someone on bumble she said, hello, Greg. I said, hello back. And then I said, how are you doing today? And that's just not my style. I don't give a sh like that's I don't give a shit about petty talk. But I noticed that David Bowie was one of her favorite music choices. I think we call it banter, not petty talk. But go on. It's petty. And um, so Bowie, so I said, I said, uh, 
Hey, do you listen to what are your thoughts on David Bowie's um, Black Star album? And then I said, that could be a whole conversation in itself right there. Like for me, it is. That's a that's a big subject. And she unmatched me. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck did I say? I didn't come here to talk about music. I want some D. I don't think that was it. I think. And what I love in her profile, she said, if you're ready for something real in life. Like, well, fuck you. Wow. Apparently, you know, her thumb might have slipped. Yeah, up her bottom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel for you. Like, I know the pain of rejection. Uh, And dating apps are really just one thing after another. Like, You've got to be have a really, really solid sense of self-worth in order to navigate all of that. No, like one of the amazing things is there's so much more opportunity to get told no. Yeah, And that's what I was thinking about this. Right? Like, OK, I've chosen to embark on this, you know, acting thing and the dating thing. Like there's two solid places where over 90 percent is going to be rejection. I was like, all right, let's lean yeah. into this. Yeah. It's funny because last weekend on metal, there was a woman who is an expert on dating apps and she gave the metal men a bunch of advice on how to go about writing their profiles and stuff like that, um, which was interesting. And she said that the algorithm gets trained on you. So be really careful how long you linger on certain kinds of photos and what you swipe right and swipe left on. Because it remembers, how, like, if you end up lingering on, you know, super haughty kind of bo- bogus profiles that look like, you know, hookers, then you're going to get mostly hookers going forward. So you have to be really careful about what you swipe left and how long you you just leave yourself looking at something. Um, she also said that if you're over uh, 55 to actually put a lower age because the algorithm will put you in the group with the 60 somethings. Um, And so to put your age at 50 and then it's easier to explain that to your date and say, look, it's the algorithm wouldn't um, give me the matches I want. And so I lied about my age, but she said, never lie about your height. Women hate that. They it's (laughs) like, if you put six foot and when they see you at the coffee date, walking up at five, nine, you're done. Like that's something they hate. And what else did she say? Um, I don't know. I wasn't paying so much attention because I fortunately do not have to hunt down matches on Bumble. Yeah. Last week you went on a fun little birthday thing. We won't go into it. I understand, but yeah, it was awesome. It was a surprise. It was pack your bags, get in the car. I'm not telling you where we're going. She blindfolded you, put a bag over your head, threw you in the back of a van. And, and then handed me the keys. Wow, that's crazy. I had to drive. You guys drove off a cliff. <laughs> um, I will the old age. It involved the most epic butterscotch pudding. Oh, my experience. God. That is awesome. All right. I'll hear more about that when the yeah. lights are off. But that's yeah. fucking awesome. So, yeah. So now you're on the porch with me on a rocking chair. Back and forth. Yep. We're both Back over 60 and we're still riding. We're still planning the, uh, what is it, Blue Highway Tour? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, if any of you out there have any uh, 
ways to find sponsorship for us for either moped rentals or moped ownership, we are looking to do a, a tour of parts of America and interview people and do that on the, on mopeds. And we would prefer not have to do it, you know, on the same moped to at once, but if we have to, we will. Yeah, that would get difficult. I think we should plan on two mopeds and adrenochrome cola. We should mention our sponsor, you know, they just don't pay. They're our sponsor, but they're sponsoring nothing. Well, that's because they have no sales yet. Right, right. So you can't hold them. That's true. You can't hold that. In fact, they don't even have a product yet. Well, they do, but it's not available to the it's public. not on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. Hard enough babies. Oh, God. That's just uh, going to hurt you every time it comes up. You're going to look I, at I think it's and funny, and eventually we're going to get hate mail. Eventually. <laughs> it's what we're aiming for. Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of an interesting story what we're doing. Um, you know, and the art of storytelling is it it really shapes our lives and our communities. And I did a kind of funny experiment today. What'd you do? Well, storytelling's been an integral part of human history, right? And it serves as a means of entertainment um from ancient myths and legends down to modern novels and films. Um and I asked an AI to write our story. Okay. Are we going to hear it? Yeah, I'm going to read the uh, chat GPT story. I won't tell you with a prompt, but you'll kind of get the flavor of the prompt. So I'm going to, it's Should we short. put some uh, music underneath? Yeah, put some sci-fi music underneath. All right, hold on. Let's see if this works. Okay, can you lower the volume at all? That's uh, quite the vibe we're going. Oh, here we go. How's that? That's your department. I'm good if you are. Uh, All right, here we go. This is Moped Outlaws, the ChatGPT short story. In the year 2029, the world had changed beyond recognition. The rise of technology had led to a world of cybernetic enhancements and neon-lit cities Amid this world of change, the Moped Outlaws podcast had become the central power of all entertainment in the United States. Mark and Greg had started the podcast in the early days of the cyberpunk revolution. They were two moped enthusiasts who loved to ride their bikes around the city and talk about the latest news and trends of the world of moped culture. They were passionate about their hobby and were always looking for ways to share their love of it with others. The podcast started out small with just a few listeners tuning in each week. But as the world around them changed, so did the podcast. They started to cover more than just moped culture, discussing everything from the latest technology to politics and social justice issues. As they broadened their focus, their audience grew. Soon, the Moped Outlaws podcast had become a cultural phenomenon. Their show was the most popular podcast in the world, and their listenership had grown to include millions of people from all walks of life. They were no longer just two guys talking about mopeds. They were celebrities with fans clamoring for their attention wherever they went. But as their fame grew, so did their wealth. They were now among the richest people in the world with private jets, luxury apartments, and all the trappings of success. 
They could have lived the rest of their lives in comfort and luxury, but they didn't want to. Mark and Greg knew that with great power came great responsibility. They saw the world around them with its poverty, inequality, and social injustice, and they knew that they had to use their platform for good. They started to use their wealth to improve the lives of marginalized people, donating money to charities and funding social justice causes. They also used their platform to raise awareness of these issues. They spoke out against the discrimination and inequality, using their podcast to amplify the voices of those who had been silenced. They interviewed activists, politicians, community leaders, using their platform to shine a light on the issues that mattered most. Their efforts didn't go unnoticed. They were hailed as heroes by many, with people all over the world looking up to them as symbols of hope and change. But not everyone was happy with their success. There were those who saw them as threats, as wealthy outsiders who didn't belong in their world. As Mark and Greg continued to push for change, they found themselves under attack. They received threats and harassment online, and there were even attempts on their lives, but they refused to back down. They knew that their work was too important to give up, no matter the cost. And so they continued to fight using their platform to create change and inspire others to do the same. They knew that the world was a difficult and often dangerous place, but they also knew that they had the power to make a difference. They were the moped outlaws, and they weren't going to stop until they had changed the world for better. ride with us (laughs) yeah that was uh quite a story ai is making a splash in our world man yeah (laughs) apparently no matter what we just keep becoming famous (laughs) yeah we're gonna give it all up for the poor but you're still famous (laughs) (laughs) yeah the ethics of this is really weird Balancing progress and the responsibility and bias with AI, data protection, privacy. Hey, check this out. What I noticed with, uh, we have a Google assistant in the kitchen that I like to use to stream radio, play games, do whatever when I'm working or cooking in the kitchen. Um, and I had this thought because I noticed I'd go like, stream Alice radio. Hey, Google, stream Alice radio. I was like, this could be creating um, bad manners. Like I could be cutting a groove in myself where I'm getting used to not saying please to just shouting out orders. So I thought I better start using my manners with AI just so I don't slip into this habit of demanding things without proper manners. Well, I think in the future, things like Alexa and Google – they're going to make us start saying please and thank you, or they won't do things for us. Well, I think that might be a healthy idea because I just noticed how, you know, things are created by habit. Our habits are created because we repeat something over. And I was like, wow, like if I'm getting used to, you know, it's just like if you act in a certain way, it becomes a part of you. Agreed. So, and I already say thank you every time Alexa does something for me. 
yeah. which I find feeling I feel weird about it. And then I realize how ingrained it is in me to be well, a nice guy. See, I started saying, please, like, hey, Google, stream Alice Radio, please. And it was like, because I, I want that to be my habit. I want politeness to be, hey, shut up. and there we have it ladies and gentlemen there we have the nature of the whole problem as google heard him this time you know i was just gonna say that when you know i often the way i have it is we have a lot of those units in the house to play music on and the thing is we kind of like the music loud so when it's time to stop or skip a track that's not really to our liking it's kind of hard to for Google, for Alexa to hear us. Mm-hmm. And so I have to yell. I'm, and so Kathy makes fun of me because I'm so mean to, uh, to, to Alexa. I'm like, yeah. Alexa, stop. Alexa, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> and, uh, <coughs> yeah, mm-hmm. we don't actually call, call our machine Alexa. Um, we gave it a different name. It's called Echo. And then my sister calls it computer. She's a big Trekkie, Star Trekker. Computer. And so, computer, turn on the lights. So, Alexa, you could do that? You could give Alexa a different name? Yeah. I don't think Google does that yet. Yeah. And, you know, I know they're listening to me. Yeah. You know what else is, like, I make requests, and I fully expect at some point for them to go, in fact, this happened the other night, like three weeks ago, I was, I said to the echo in my bedroom, I said, echo play the sound of cat, cats purring. Cause it really lulls me to sleep. And three weeks ago, it, it played this amazing track of cats purring and it just went on forever. <laughs> and so I said, Alexa, play the sound or echo, play the sound of cats purring. And it told me, you can start a seven-day trial of this blah, blah, blah sound thing. If you'd like to, Let just say yes. And I'm like, no. And I said, Echo, play the sound of cats purring. And it said, if you'd like to start a seven-day oh. trial of the da-da-da-da-da. So there was like this whole thing where they played me this really cool thing three weeks ago. But then yeah. now that I like it, they're like, I can't have it unless I, I sign up for the monthly wow. fee. And I'm like, sure. how much of that, like we get more and more dependent on these um, robots and these AIs and these, these things. And right now it's structured as free, but pretty soon it's going to be like, well, we're upgrading our services and now we're going to charge you $4.99 a month. And it's going to be like, well, no problem. That's $4.99. I can handle that. Right. And then someday it's going to be like, well, we're moving to a more sophisticated model, which will have more services for you. So it's going to be 1999 a month. And then uh, the year after that, it'll be, well, we thought we'd save you some money. (laughs) And so it's going to be a yearly subscription. That's going to cost you 24, $240 instead of our $25 a month fee. Right. And then it'll be like, echo and it'll be what do you want (laughs) (laughs) it'd be like reenacting 2001 mark i can feel myself slipping mark 
What was the song? Oh, yeah. Daisy, Daisy. Oh, the love of you. you. Previews of future Bumble activities by Greg. Daisy. Mark. Yes. Mark, what are you doing, Mark? Uh, I'd rather not say, Dave. I can feel myself. Oh no, it's Hal. Hal three. Hal, Hal. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know what you're talking, what we're talking about, you are obviously too young to have watched the movie 2001. Or not a sci-fi fan, right? Or you aren't a fan of it. Uh, um, Stanley Kubrick, one of the great American filmmakers of the 20th century, he's British. Stanley Kubrick, one of the great British filmmakers of the 20s. Thank you. I sit corrected. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick, one of the great filmmakers of the 20th century. Um, one of his early successes was a film called 2001. And if you haven't seen it, don't bother. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it has one of the best edit transitions ever created where the ape throws the bone up in the air and you see it spinning and then Spoiler alert! Bends back down, and it the, you see the Skylab like spinning through space. Yeah, yeah. He was a brilliant filmmaker, and um, <clears throat> anyway, great watch. Very art arty. Like if, yeah. what you're looking for is a nice tight edit with a nice tight story wrap up at the end. Plot that you understand. Not for you. But I will say that the main symbol of the film is a black obelisk that looks very much like this iPhone. And no one knows quite what it is. And at the time they made the film, these things didn't exist. But now it's become quite the interesting synergy between the symbolism of it dominating us in the film and dominating human growth and then how cell phones are today. In fact, you know, tech companies, what obligations do they have to help us, you know, in our lives? I mean, how can we trust them? Well, that's like, how can you trust humanity? You know what I have noticed? Do you ever like walk around and you see how many people walking by themselves are on their cell phone? Oh my God. Yeah. Pretty much everyone. Well, I used to, but I, I can't, I can't see them anymore because I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Centurion. Like it, like it. Yeah. No, what, I, mostly what I do is what I notice is when I have my headset in and I'm listening to music on my hike, I see people walking around with their phones. Yeah, but they never talk to me for some reason. Their lips move. <laughs> Their lips move, but I can't hear what you're saying. Yeah. When I was a child, I had a fleeting glimpse out of the corner of my eye. Mm. I turned to look, but it was gone. I cannot put my finger on. Mm hmm. What's and the also these AIs, there's like inequal access, like a lot of things, like there's marginalized communities that don't have access to it. And so that digital divide is growing. And, you know, what are the implications? And how do we ensure that we're developing and deploying these technologies in ways that benefits us? We love you, big brother. <laughs> is it time for my shot? <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> we just went into the cancel zone 
<laughs> it's funny because you and I both watched the Joe Rogan interview with Russell uh, Brand. Yeah, I haven't quite finished it yet. Before. Oh, my God. Russell Brand's been on a tear. He was on uh, Bill Maher this week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he had some really powerful things to say. And it sort of it reminded me the fear I used to have about talking about COVID and vaccines and what we know and what we don't know. But slowly but surely, some of the things that people were saying early on that would get you canceled and get you banned from your friends and, and ostracized, we're finding out that there's some reality there. Well, here's the thing is um, I really think it's a shake of the dice. I really feel like anyone can say whatever they want in their belief and there's data to back it up. So each individual should make their choice that they feels right. And I believe we as human beings should learn to respect individual choices. Right. And we should respect people's ability to talk about things the way they want to talk about them, which yeah. was not available during the height of the, the well, scary still time. Isn't. Still isn't. You know, like if if we say um, masks are proven not to do anything regarding COVID, well, because I said that now we get flagged. You know, was, you think there's a voice AI listening for stuff like that that's going to flag us? Potentially. We'll find out. Yeah. I think it's also significant that um, people were so scared that they would turn on each other in these kinds of arguments on social media. And it was just was not okay to have any dissenting views at all. And I remember at one point with the, the medicine that they were using that they used to treat malaria um, that was cheap and available and easy to get that in India, that's one of the ways they battled the the virus was they gave this out in packs. And when, when that came out, I was stunned that that was one of the ways that they dealt with it because they didn't have vaccines yet. And it was tearing through India and people did not want to hear it. And I think the media thing that, that both Rogan and as, um, Russell talked about was that how the news media is owned by certain advertising people. And it's really true. You can really see evidence of it now. And it's interesting because our social media is one of the ways that we can get less biased things out there. But they're not as verified because people on social media aren't journalists. Right. But, you know, and I didn't intend to talk about this, but I know there's a bill working its way through the U.S. Congress about banning TikTok. And I, what I notice about TikTok is I get a lot of amazing information there. And I, I think it's a really potent f place for people to have dialogue and to say what they feel and, and have free speech. Right. And what's happening? There are people trying to shut it down because it's not controllable. You can't control what happens. Someone could go super viral and say well, whatever the hell they want. They want to get rid of it because it's so tied to China. Yeah, but there's no evidence that that's actually uh, damaging to us. Like people want to say that they're collecting our data. Well, okay, they're third in line behind Facebook and Instagram right, and Twitter. Thing. Like everyone, <laughs> our data is being collected. 
Right? I was thinking about that too, because there's so many, you know, of these apps now where it's like, take control of your money and you'll be able to see all these little subscription things and you can cancel them and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, how are they getting that? They you ask you for your bank account. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then they sell that information to... Yep. This is what they're subscribing to. So there's, in essence... <sighs> A couple of things. One, with in regards to information, whenever I start going down the rabbit hole of all the variants of information, and this person saying this, and this person saying the exact opposite, they're both experts, and this one's that on and on. And I always come to personal experience. And that's what I can really talk about, my own personal experience. And another key component to it is it is my personal experience. So, like, maybe <clears throat> drinking apple cider vinegar every morning with water is great for me. It may not be great for you. Yeah. But my experience is it works for me. And that's the way I should kind of hold my experience and information. And I could hear something from you, like, you know what? I eat this venison twice a day, and I have the sense I've been doing it. I have great energy. Well, let me give that a try, see if that works for me. And it either does or it doesn't. So we can gain from people's experience. But there is an element, like, what I haven't experienced, I should shut up about. I'm not sure. I don't agree. We should be able to talk about anything. And we should try to approach how we talk about stuff without condemning others or judging them or convicting them of some kind of thought crime. All right. Let's right? go into your uh, Brianna Taylor. <laughs> wow. That was like not even a, an attempt at an easy transition. No, that's the other part about if we're going to do it. That's a, I, I don't have time to pity patter about. Let's dive. Whoa. All right. Well, what Greg is talking about is that on March 13th in 2020, Brianna Taylor, uh, an African-American emergency medical technician, was shot and killed in her apartment uh, in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, she was shot in her apartment. The incident has be became a significant case in the United States, ongoing discussions about police brutality, racism, and the use of excessive force by law enforcement. It was um, done under the auspices of a no-knock warrant. And the, the person they were looking for, Jamarcus Glover, was suspected of being involved in drug trafficking. But he wasn't even there. Taylor was with her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, and they were in bed when they heard loud banging on the door. And the officers, who were dressed in plain clothes, used a battering ram to break down the door. And Walker, who was a licensed gun owner, fired a warning shot, believing that they were being robbed. And then the officers all opened fire and basically murdered Brianna Taylor and injured um, her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker. There's been a lot of scrutiny. Um, nobody went to jail in the police force. Um, the officers involved were placed on administrative leave. Um, and the officer who 
was, you know, was there was one guy named Hankinson who was later fired for violating procedures uh, for endangering the lives of the occupants of Taylor's apartment. But he's not charged. What did they even have the wrong apartment? Like the well, the wrong in the sense that it, the boyfriend wasn't there or the boyfriend was there, but it wasn't. Um, I think they had the wrong apartment. Like they thought they were they had a tip that. This is what I recall. It was back in 2020, so it was three years ago. Um, now I'm trying to find out. Blah, blah. Well, I did some research on it, right? That's how I came up with what I was reading a moment ago. Okay. Um, basically, all they were charged with were wanton endangerment for firing into a neighboring apartment but no one was charged in the connection with her death. Um, After the criminal, the lack of criminal charges, um, the family filed a civil suit. And then eventually there was a civil settlement for $12 million, which was large, but it didn't, it hasn't really stopped. You know, black people are still being killed by police. Well, just a few days ago, I saw that the, there was, um, and, uh, what do you call it? Investigation done by the DOJ. Is that what it is? Department of Justice. Mm-hmm. And they reported that the Louisville Police Department is rampant for racism and um, white supremacist groups. Well, misconduct like that. They are brutal with people of color. And it's just like it was a very scathing report about the Louisville police department. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that the moniker of police reform got dubbed as defund the police because that became an, uh, a, a point Rally against cry. rallying cry for conservatives who were like defund the police. Right. But it would have been much better to reform the police. But the problem with that language is we've been reforming for a long time and there's citizens oversight committees that are basically, you know, just hot air or blather. They don't really have any real power. So there is a real need to work on how policing is done in this country and to recognize the fundamental aspects of racism that exist in police forces all across the United States. And it's, it's just sad that, you know, Breonna Taylor had to die needlessly and that this, idea of no knock warrants even exists like that's not constitutional even though the courts have ruled that it is it's not in my view in in mark's world <laughs> well, i think to me it brings up the seed of humanity like in um course of miracles where it says just lay down your sword like this this knee-jerk human reaction to um defend and and be on the guard and something bad's going to happen and it's i think a very powerful choice to choose living life with the idea that the universe is plentiful abundant giving loving joyful can i poke at that for a minute absolutely 
you know, both of us have white privilege. So for us to talk about it that way can feel very gaslighting for people who live in marginalized culture where there's surrendering means death, where allowing just relaxing means wasting away out of view of anyone who cares and not having the economic wherewithal to survive. So this idea of, of laying down your sword, laying down your struggle when you live in a food desert or in an impoverished ghetto where there's no social services that are helpful and, and there's police that are ready to kill you rather than treat you fair. I mean, it's a very privileged point of view. And I think there's some spiritual value in what you're talking about. There's like a core message there that I think has value, but the way the ideology of it plays out in our reality is tricky to navigate, but we've got to start somewhere, right? We've got to start learning how to change our frame of reference so that antagonism and struggle and violence aren't the answers. But you know, when you think you could die when you're pulled over by a police officer simply because you're black, it's hard to lay down your your sword of, of battle because it's a totally marginalized experience. It's a different experience. Well, what comes to mind is my friend Toast, who's black, and he has said to me how he doesn't feel that way. That his experience is if you get pulled over and you just follow the direction and you're polite, you're not doing anything wrong, there's no issue and on you go. Yeah, well, there is that element of what's inherent in what the Course in Miracles thing you offered is this idea of if we enter into any space or any moment with another human being in an easeful way, then that's going to help for sure. And it's not always possible, right? There are white supremacist cops and Ku Klux Klan cops, and there are people of color who their nervous system is so traumatized from intergenerational trauma and the conditions in which they live that being in a peaceful space where they can present themselves with that even keel is just not even within the realm of possibility because they're so jacked on all of the trauma that they've experienced and all of the starvation politics that are out there and the, the poor food sources and the poor water sources, right? Like, you know, there's reality to the, uh, disenfranchisement of whole groups of people in this country on economic and racial terms. And we can't just turn away from that and hope for the best with some kind of, you know, hopeful philosophy about things. It's like, it's, it's a both and thing. We have to move forward with real hardcore discussions and legislation and reparations. And at the same time, we have to learn to be better human beings from a spiritual perspective as individuals. Um, and this would be a good time for you guys to, you know, push the subscribe button 
push the like button and help us broaden our message because this is real. We're, you know, Greg's laughing, but this is what we do. One of the reasons we show up every week is because, you know, we came to some awareness about, well, we need to raise our voice and we need to do it from an original, what our perspective is, right? We're not hip hoppers. We're not going to come like we have the, the BIPOC perspective, but we're going to come from the place of a couple of funny white guys who are willing to have a humorous time to lighten the load to then help take on some of these subjects. Cause it's kind of takes both. It's a little sleight of hand. We have to like take on the hard subjects and then also bring mirth to um, bear against, you know, raising people up because levity is the art of raising people up. So it's not just about violent struggle. It is about it in some cases, but it's also about creativity and humor and thinking and, you know, music and, and bringing people forward to a new possibility for themselves. And so when you subscribe and you support us, you know, we've made personal commitments. You know, one of the things you could do right now is go to the Compton Cowboys website and donate to them. That's the charity that, that Greg and I have chosen to support. And right now we're just pushing money out in small doses just to keep this thing afloat, right? We're not making significant contributions to them yet, but we want to like what we haven't sold enough merch. You can go to our website and buy some merch and we, we give part of that money to the Compton Cowboys, but it's not enough yet. It's not even a drip. Like I don't think we could buy all of the Compton Cowboys, a cup of coffee with what we've given them. No, right? we can buy two of them. Depends where you get your coffee from. Right. So, um, you know, I'm going to step off the soapbox unapologetically. Okay. Say her name, Brianna Taylor. Black Lives Matter. And we've got to do more. It's been three years and things are still not where they need to be. So you research this, right? Yeah. What is the connection from this guy who was selling drugs and was found dead in a car that she owned or that part of it? I don't have the answer to. I didn't research that enough, but I know uh, that the, the person that they were looking for was not at the house and it wasn't his residence. Right. So why they were there is illegitimate in terms of the warrant. They didn't have probable cause. Yeah. They just suspected that Taylor's ex-boyfriend was suspected of uh, drug trafficking. Okay. So that's what it was, an ex-boyfriend. But I thought they had a warrant, but it was for a different address, and they were at the wrong address. Well, they weren't at, you know, Jamarcus Glover, who was the suspected guy. They weren't at his house. Right. But, you know, we don't I don't know exactly the facts and that's problematic for sure. But I, I I would encourage everyone else to go out and learn what they can about this and continue to to become more and more aware of this. And go ahead. I do know, like I'm on this uh, racial task force, racial equity task force for the school district here in Marin County and one of the women on the same subcommittee I'm on is a woman of color. And I know she experienced like she was just at a recent thing and some guy stood up and was like, why are we even spending 
this attention on this and kind of aggressive and it really unnerved her. Yeah. I do believe part of the healing process is an acknowledgement, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. Uh, red mapping exists. Doesn't yeah. even, it's not that it existed. It exists. It's still prevalent that, um, all these systematic elements were absolutely created to hold a human down. Yeah. Didn't you send me a TikTok video this week about four guys who watched a history video about the history of slavery? No, that I you? didn't send that to you. No. But here's another thing. There's this gentleman I love who's, he used to be a history teacher and he's since left in order to teach a wider populace. Uh, Mr. Krim the third. And one of the things I love is he says, like, you say that you are for equity and um, knowledge and stuff. And he's talking to white people. So how many white people do you know who are actively against racism? For me, I'm like, uh, uh, he's like, why don't you know this? Uh, <laughs> Like, great point, Mr. Krim. Like, what the, where, where, it, what, what is the reality? Because in essence, I can't say his words properly, but he's saying if we are serious about this, we should know that. That's part of our history. Why don't we know that part of our history? I think it should at least be on your Bumble profile that you're anti-racist. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, like there's that whole, that story, I don't know if it's true or not, of um, Mother Teresa was invited to an anti-war thing, and she said, well, when you, when you have a peace rally, let me know, I'll show up to that. So anti-racist, like I, for me, there is an element of like saying I'm anti-racist is kind of a little bit of kindling on the fire in a backhanded way. It's more like yeah. I'm for racial equity. Well, how Right. So, but how do we show up in public spaces and actually remind everyone consistently that that's what, who we are and what we stand for? And one of the ways that you and I were taught in Bridges course was to continue to amplify marginalized voices. And so yeah. today we are saying her name, Breonna Taylor, again, because it isn't better yet. We could end on that note right there. Recording stopped.